We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. What do we all have, everybody in this room, that Adam never had? Ancestors. Okay, okay, okay. Do we have any science fans in here? Anybody like science? Okay, okay. Why are Adams Catholic? Because they have mass. Okay, okay. Last one. One one more for you. I got one more. I got one more. (laughs) A pastor's wife walked into the kitchen to find her husband stalking around with a fly swatter. What are you doing, she asked. Hunting flies, he replied. Oh, killing any, she asked. Yep. Three males and two females, he said. Intrigued, she asked, how do you tell them apart? He said, three were on that beer can and two were on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. All right, all right. (laughs) Enough of that. (laughs) So first things first. First things first, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Most of us in this room believe at God in some level. And uh, most of us believe in the Bible. Yet why is there such a difference in what we're going to call the Christian experience? And I'd like to submit to you today that it really comes down to order. And order is important. Order, in my opinion, is everything. Uh, The way we prioritize our lives and our world creates and impacts the life we experience. And most any of us that are married know that order is important. Let's take something simple like loading a dishwasher. Okay. There are those of you that when it's your turn to do the dishes, you just grab anything out of the sink, you throw it in there, you put it anywhere, right? You put the, you grab cups, like small cups, and you put them on the bottom. You know who you are. You put, you put the small cups on the bottom. What goes on the bottom? Yes, the big plates, the big plates, the pots, the pans. There's an order, okay? And if you're one of those people that puts small cups on the bottom, um, I believe God just simply tolerates you. (laughs) There, There is an order. There's an order. Grocery shopping. Okay, grocery shopping. Some of us, when we go grocery shopping, side note, I'm not allowed to go grocery shopping. I, I, I'm not allowed to do it. Amy does the grocery shopping, and there's a whole lot of reasons why I don't go. But some of us, when we go, we've got no list, right? We've got no list. We go grocery shopping. We get there. There's no list. We're hungry, right? And what happens? You walk through every aisle, and you're just grabbing whatever looks good because you're hungry. And tons of things end up in that cart that should not end up in our pantries, right? It's a, it's a poor approach to shopping. Then there's others 
like Amy, right? And yeah, I think it's a bit of a sickness. I'll be honest with you. She's got blueprints to Earth Fair, Publix, and Costco on her phone. <laughs> blueprints, all right? She knows every aisle. She doesn't really have. She doesn't really have blueprints, but. But she gets there, and her, she's, her list, it's categorized. She knows what aisle she's got to go to, and she goes by herself. Nobody can come with her. Nobody can come with her. <laughs> yes, yes, you guys know. There's an order. There's an order to things. And when we talk about first things first, we're talking about prioritizing our lives in such a way that we're going to be most effective for the kingdom and order matters a life that moves through god and the life that god blesses is not so much about things in our life to say okay god i'm going to give you part of this area of my life and i'm no, i'm going to give you part of that area of my life but when we come to him and say i'm going to offer these things to you in a way and in order that it pleases you God must be first. And when God is first in every area of our lives, the rest of our lives will be filled with order. If God isn't first in every area of our life, I would argue that our lives will have disorder. Matthew 6.33, it says what? But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be given to you. The words of Christ himself say, what? Seek first. Seek God first. So we're going to take a look at four firsts. I've got four firsts for you this morning. And I believe if we prioritize appropriately, these four firsts um, will help to have a positive influence on our relationship with God. So the first thing, the first thing, the first of our day the first of our day. In the first of our day, we're going to seek God. We're going to pursue a moment with our Creator. We're going to take time to be in His presence. Now, we don't want to be legalistic about it, right? You get up, you have to go to the bathroom, that's fine. You want to brew a nice cup of coffee, go ahead, brew a nice cup of coffee. Your breath stanky, you need to brush your teeth, brush your teeth, you know. Um, but we're not going to do anything of any significance before we spend time with the Lord. And we get this picture in Psalm 63.1. The King James Version says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Early will I seek thee. Time matters. Priority matters. Order matters. When we spend time, we spend time with our God first thing. When we read the Gospels, we see all kinds of repeated behaviors in Jesus' life, right? He's preaching hope, he's healing the sick, he's performing miracles, but there's one behavior that we often miss. He repeatedly and consistently got away 
with the Father, even in times and moments when people needed him, when people are tugging on him for his attention. He got a way to be with the Father. And it's not even just that we know that he got away, we know when he got away. In the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to pray. And so if the Son of Man needed to connect with the Father first thing upon waking, how much more do we need to then? You know? It's not that you can't seek Him on your lunch break or uh, before you go to bed or any other time throughout the day. And that, that's all fine. But there's something special about spending time with our Lord first thing in the morning that's going to set the tone for the rest of our day. It matters. It, it really does. Um, and it'll change you. It'll change you. Spending time with the Lord first thing. It'll change you. So in the first of the day, we're going to seek God. All right? Number two, the first of our week. The first of our week. We're at the first of our week. Right now. This is the first of our week. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to worship. And we're going to worship God together. We're going to worship God together. Acts 27 says, 20 verse 7 says that on the first day of the week, we, the church, came together to break bread. We came together to break bread. A survey recently conducted of American churchgoers said that 48% of everyone that calls themselves a churchgoer in America attends church less than once a month. That's right. Less than once a month. That's right. So according to those statistics, I'm calling us out in here, 50% of us in this room come to church less than once a month. According to those statistics. Think about that for a minute. 50% of us come to church less than once a month. The church we saw in Acts is very different from church we see today. And I certainly get and understand that the difference in the time period and the culture um, has an effect, but the core principles should be the same. The Bible says they devoted themselves to these things. The apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, to fellowship and to prayer devoted themselves with glad and sincere hearts every day, not once a month, every day. They met together in corporate gatherings, much like this, on the first of the week, to worship and listen to the teaching of the word. Then throughout the week, they met house to house, probably, I guess, much, much like a small group setting where they did the same things, then broke bread, had meals together. So why the drastic difference 
between I come when I can, I'm busy, I only get here once a month, to every day. Why the difference? I don't believe it's because they're more holy than we are. Um, I think they were more honest than we are today about how desperately they need, we need each other. Amen. Amen. I met a family a few years ago while I was serving in a church that we were members in. And they came to church because their daughter started coming to youth group. Like many of us, they were far from perfect. You know, uh, they had issues in their marriage. There was addiction in the family. But they decided to come to church because they saw a difference youth group was making in their daughter. And just as a side note here, you guys need to keep your youth pastors lifted up in prayer, your children's workers. It's so important, so important. All the churches, all the ministries in the church work together symbiotically to create a healthy culture, right? right. Seniors, ministry, men's, women's, uh, couples, youth, all the different ministries, but with youth and children, you've the potential to impact the future is gigantic. It's gigantic. The statistics of a story much like this where um, parents and even grandparents start coming to church because of a child going to children's church or youth group are huge. So keep those ministries lifted up in prayer. All right, so back to this couple. So we start meeting with them, right? We begin to counsel them. We're giving them, um, you know, our our own time. We're pouring into them. And slowly but surely, as time went on, they're getting more involved. They're coming consistently, serving. They're starting to serve in various ways. At this point, we're getting closer to looking like that Acts passage, right? Right? devoted to one another, spending time together. But somewhere along the way, they have a setback. They have a setback. They were embarrassed about it. Uh, They didn't want to be honest about what was going on. So the next thing you know, they're gone. They stopped coming, stopped answering the phone. Uh, The one time I got them to answer the door, because I went to the house... (laughs) Uh, you know, I got just some small talk about them being too busy, and, and, and that was that. So five months go by, and they walk through the doors of the church. They hadn't been to church in five months at this point. And I walked up to Dave, that's, that's the dad, and I put my arm around his shoulder, and I said, Man, I've missed you, brother. How are you? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, I can't believe I forgot how much I needed this place. We need to get better at needing each other. And admitting that we need each other. Our souls need it. It's, It's not a suggestion, it's a priority. We even see community in creation. Right? 
before the foundation of the earth. God the Father is in community himself. We read in 1 John, or in John chapter 1, right? He's in creation, before the foundation of the earth. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. They're in community together. That's our example. We need to get better at needing each other. All right? Hebrews 10, 25. I want to read this out of the Passion Version. If you guys remember a couple of weeks ago, I told you this is my new, I like this Passion Version. It challenges me. It's very poetic. I'm not a poetic person. I read some of these verses and I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of fluffy and wordy, but I like it. it challenges me. All right. Passion Version. Hebrews 10. Uh, 25. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a cool way to say it? We should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage. I like that. We need to get better at needing each other. All right. So on the first day, the first of the day, no one gets any of our time till we've spent some time with the Lord, right? And on the first of the week, we get together, we worship God. Amen. Yeah. And next, the first of the month, the first of the month, we worship God with our tithe. Amen. Our tithe. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about our tithing. It's a subject that is near and dear to my heart as an associate pastor at the church we were at before we moved down to Tallahassee. One of my duties was to either take up the offering uh, every Sunday or ask a deacon or elder to do it. So I did it most of the time, um, probably three Sundays a month or so, give or take. And it gave me a lot of time to study stewardship principles because I did that for two and a half years. And he didn't want, my pastor didn't want just, um, hey, it's time to take up the offering, prayer, pass the bucket. He wanted a short little teaching or exhortation or something on giving. So I had a lot of time to study these things. And not just our finances, but how we steward our relationships and our resources, and and our time, our time. If you want to know where you're at, where your heart's at, what are you doing with your time and your money? What are you doing with those things? Ask yourself that. And that's where your heart is, your time and your money. All right, so in, in, um, in Leviticus... Okay, in Leviticus it says that a tithe, which is everything from the land, 
whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. A tithe or a tenth. The first tenth. God must be first. He has to be. When we put him first, the rest of our lives are going to be filled with order, provision, and blessing. Now you're thinking about this and you're saying, wait a second here. For me to give God the first tenth of my income before I pay any bills or anything, I'd have to rearrange every aspect of my life. Yep. That's exactly the point. That's exactly the point of everything I'm talking about. Yes. You need to rearrange every aspect of your life so that God is first in everything that we do. Okay, last point here. But we're going to review. Quick review. The first of our day, we seek him, right? First of our day, we seek him. The first of our week, we worship him together. All right? The first of the month, we're going to worship with our tithe. Now, lastly, the first of the year which is coming soon, it's coming real soon, we're going to offer a fast. We are going to offer a fast on the first of the year. Fasting is sacrificing something in your life, denying yourself something for the purpose of pressing into God's presence. Now, Fasting traditionally is denying yourself uh, food or nutrition, which I believe is the hardest thing to do, um, but could also look like denying yourself other things. You'd have to ask, you need to ask yourself uh, what things take priority in my life. Um, and instead of doing those things, you're going to spend time with God with a purpose in mind. Um, you can fast social media. You could fast social media. TV. You could fast watching TV. Sports. Playing sports. Watching any t- type of sports. Um, these examples might be ones that, you know, I have to think about. That's why I wrote, <laughs> that's why I wrote those down. But, but that might look the same for you, right? Um, there's, there are many different reasons we fast also. We fast for healing. Maybe we've got a decision we need to make and we're looking for clarity, right? Or maybe we're just pressing into God's presence and we want more of Him. It can be that simple. All throughout Scripture, we see people fasting. And there's even three times in the Bible we see people fasting for 40 days, 40 days. Moses, upon receiving the Ten Commandments, Elijah on the mountain, and then Jesus himself all fasted for 40 days. Water fast, too. Not no Daniel fast. They weren't eating anything. Now, the first rule of fasting, all right, don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. We're not posting pictures all over social media. Well, you might be fasting social media, so 
then you really wouldn't be. But if you're fasting food, you know, we're not, we're not posting pictures all over social media about how sick we are of eating lentils and, and uh, how you can't eat another vegetable or whatever. We're missing the point when we put our fast on blast. Yeah. We're missing the point. I'm going to say that again. Uh, rhymes. We're missing the point when you put your fast on blast. We want to be joyful when we're fasting. Matthew 6 says, But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father in heaven who is unseen. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's something we offer to God with joy. And fasting will change you. It's one of the most misunderstood concepts in the Bible. You think to yourself, okay, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat. None of us are going to eat much of anything. How's that going to produce anything but grumpy, hungry people? And how does that bless God? You know? Uh, but Paul in Galatians 5, and a little side note here, Galatians 5 has nothing to do with fasting, but I believe it can explain fasting better than any other passage in the Bible. And here's why. And let's read, I'm going to read it out of this uh, Passion Translation again. Uh, Galatians 5, 16 through 18. Galatians 5. 16 through 18. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. That's great, right? Some translations will say um, that the spirit and the flesh are at war with each other, right? And I'll bet most of us have experienced uh, what our physical bodies want, what our sinful nature craves, and what the Holy Spirit within us wants. We've all, we've all experienced that. Because both of those things are hungry. They're both hungry. But the question is, which will you feed? That's right. Which will you feed? So why do we fast? We're going to deny our fleshly appetite for the sole purpose of feeding what the Holy Spirit wants. The Word says we are to live Spirit-led lives. How on earth are we going to be spirit-led if we're given our flesh whatever it wants, whenever it wants? It's quite ridiculous to think otherwise, right? 
Whatever you feed will grow, and whatever grows will become dominant. All right? Whatever you feed will grow, and whatever grows will become dominant. If we feed our flesh, we're going to be led by our flesh. But if we deny our flesh and we feed our spirit, and what are those things our spirit longs for? Intimacy with the Father, right? God's holy word, worship, a life full of obedience and faith. When we feed our spirit, our spirit grows, and now we are led and empowered by the spirit. That's why we fast. So that we are a group of people that profess God and live a life propelled by him. Not just talking about him. And so we're going to close with this. As the new year approaches quickly, I believe God wants us to have a more faith-filled, God-empowered life. Year. And we need to recognize the idea of putting God first. And I want you to get this now. We don't put God first. He's already first. That's right. He's always been first. Amen. Before the earth was spoken to existence, God was church. He was here, right? Before the creation of man or the existence of sin, God put a plan together for redemption. So really, we don't put God first. He is, he always has been, and always will be first. Supreme in all things. So what am I saying? It's not that we're putting him first. We're recognizing that he's already first. And we're going to align our lives in such a way that it acknowledges him and brings him glory. And when we do what Jesus did in Matthew 6 and seek him first, the rest of our lives will bring power, peace, clarity, provision, and God's going to use us to impact the lives of others around us. Amen. And that's what happens when a group of people that place God where he already is, which is first. Amen. All right. Will you guys bow your heads? Jesus... Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are and what you do. We pray, Lord, that as this year comes to a close soon and the new year begins, that you would help us to make you a priority in our lives. That we would put you first in all things. You are the author and creator of life and we're going to choose to acknowledge you and make you a priority. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. 
Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com. <laughs> 